Hi, and welcome to the Vine Community Church Podcast. We hope that what you're about to hear will help you to flourish in God's grace and bear fruit through loving God, loving each other, and loving our community. Oh, how good is it to have those truths in our life that Jesus is the Lord. Amen. That's yeah, so good that He is our Lord. He hears our prayers. He wants to know us that personally that He would speak to us and answer our prayers. So it's such great truth here this morning. I'm Mark Pugh. I'm pastor of Outreach and Operations here at The Vine. I'm, I'm glad to be here. Whether you guys are here in person or online, welcome. Uh, thank you for joining us. We're in a, a sermon series called Confidence in Christ. And this week we're on chapter 2. Verses 1 through 5 in the book of Philippians. The book of the Philippians is, is what we're studying with this Confidence in Christ sermon series. And, but before we started uh, today, I wanted to show a little clip from a movie. Just in case you guys didn't know, it's football season. Yeah, I, I uh, managed to fall asleep during last night's game. That was kind of tragic. But um, this is a great movie clip. And it's a great movie, and I'd, I'd encourage you guys to do two things with this. One, go watch it. It's on, it's on Disney+. Plus. It's $3. It's called Remember the Titans. And if you've not seen this movie, I need you all to just kind of pause some point in the next couple of days and, and ask yourself, who's really advising my life? Like, who are these people that are friends in my life that have allowed me to go this long without seeing this movie? So it's based on a, a historic moment, 1971 football team in Virginia. The, the school's going through racial unrest. They're being integrated. And so this team is going from a lot of conflict to unity. So go ahead and, and let's, let's check this out. Nobody plays, yourself included. I'm supposed to wear myself out for the team? What team? No. No, what I'm going to do is, I'm going to look out for myself, and I'm going to get mine. Anybody know what this place is? This is Gettysburg. This is where they fought the Battle of Gettysburg. You listen. You take a lesson from the dead. If we don't come together right now on this hollow ground, we too will be destroyed. Just like they were. I don't care if you like each other or not, but you will respect each other. good line in there. It says, I don't really care if y'all like each other, but we got to respect each other. 
That, that reigns true for us today. You know, we're kind of struggling with that. But when we have this common cause, we have a, a common enemy, when we're in battle to one with, with others and we recognize that, we tend to unite. We start realizing these differences are so important to us, they're, they're not that important. Because we could do more together as we unite. We can make a bigger difference. So having this common goal, if we had this common goal together, I think it would impact us on a daily basis. So I want everybody to just take a, a couple second pause and just think about last week. Was there one time where maybe you acted, you thought, you said, you did something that was for the best interest of yourself rather than others? You know, I, I think of a few examples that, that, are, that are hard, like at your work. You know, maybe, maybe we could have given 15 extra minutes or a couple of hours extra that wouldn't have impacted our family that badly, and we, we could have helped a teammate that was behind. Or we could have furthered the cause of the company somehow. Or maybe we're at the house and there was a chore we didn't do. We could have done it. Or we could have complimented somebody or encouraged a family member, but we really wanted to be doing something else. You know, maybe you're working on a sermon and yesterday you watched your wife do the laundry instead of helping her. You know, if, if, if you're that guy, it's okay. You know, if, if you did any of this, it's okay. Welcome to the club. Because it's a very inclusive club. I have a feeling that we're all in it, whether we realize it or not. But here's the beauty of this. Accepting this, this observation leads us to the real clear need that we have for Jesus. You know, we need Jesus. Thinking about our own needs over other people's needs, it eventually leads us to guilt and shame. We might be blind to it for a while, but eventually we're going to figure that out. That doesn't lead to freedom. But Jesus leads to freedom. Today we're going to see that Christ's love unites us to love others. Let's pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you for this moment that you've ordained, Lord, that we would learn more about your word and who you are and how that impacts us, Lord. Let that, let, let that be who we are, your word. Lord, help us to want more of you and less of ourselves, Lord. Help us to learn to rest in you, to abide in you, to, to just see the beauty of who you are in our life this morning, Father. And help us to, to, to want to unite for your cause. Lord, I think about all the damage that's been done with Hurricane Ida and, and what's going on in Haiti and Cuba and, and Afghanistan. Lord, there's so much need. Lord, put the right people in the right places. Let your church rise up and help comfort others, Lord, to encourage others, to, to bring fellowship and affection and sympathy and mercy, Lord. Help us. It's in your wonderful son's name we pray. Amen. If you guys wouldn't mind standing, we're going to read the passage. It's, again, Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. Okay, so if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, 
complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to your own interests, but also to the interest of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. You guys can sit. So if Christ's love unites us to love others, let's talk about what is Christ's love. And, and we see that in, in Philippians, the verse, verse 1, 2, 1. It says, so if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit or affection and sympathy, that's his love. Those are gifts of his love. And really we could sub out the word if and say since, since there is. You know, but when we really answer that question, the simplest answer comes from the creed that we sang. This creed that, that talks about who Jesus is, that, that he loved us so much that while he was God, he became man and he came here and he suffered unbelievable trials for the week before his death, that he had such a passion for us that he would die on the cross for us. That's why it's called the Passion Week. He, he loves us. And he puts our needs in front of his needs. That's his humility that he shows us. And we're going to get into this a little bit more next week when we look at, at verses 6 to 11. But he, he demonstrates his love for us when he emptied himself. But today, what we really need to know is Jesus loves us so much that he was willing to take the punishment that we deserve for our sin and our selfishness. You know, he is the example of what humility looks like. And specifically from this passage, we see four really wonderful gifts that come from him and from each other. The first gift that, that we get as Christians, again, from, from Jesus, from the Holy Spirit, and from us is encouragement. We're encouraged by Jesus and each other to live together in love. We're encouraged knowing that because of Christ's perfect life, because of the death on the cross and his resurrection, that he gives us salvation, we're encouraged that we know eternal life because of him. And we, we a little taste of this a little, is, is a couple weeks ago, we had over 40 people in this congregation just readily, easily grabbed some encouragement notes, wrote over 60 notes to teachers in our county. And I heard from a couple of those teachers, they were encouraged this is a great example of encouraging one another as we live together in love. So the second area that, that is a gift of Christ's love is comfort. You know, we're comforted by Jesus and each other in all sorts of ways. We're comforted when we, when we struggle and we sit and we pray and, and, and we sense the Lord giving us some comfort in that time. We're also comforted when, when he puts people in our lives that practically help us solve problems and, and comfort us during these struggles that we have. We're, we're comforted knowing that Jesus loves us even if we don't love him back. It's comforting knowing that, that this, it's because of his work on the cross that we're forgiven. He models forgiveness to us. And when we forgive or when we are forgiven, it's comforting to us. And then we see that phrase, participation in the Spirit. And what that really is saying, it's fellowship. So we have fellowship in the Holy Spirit, and then we have fellowship with each other. And as, as believers, you know, if, if, if we're a believer, fellowship, being a participant in the church body, it's a must. 
Fellowship helps us to humbly unite with each other and realize that we're on the same team. We're fighting the same cause. You know, it was a beautiful example of just great fellowship it was a wedding we had a couple of weeks ago. And it was neat to see the church rally around this family who wanted to be known. And this was their church family that wanted to care and support them. They were on the same team. It was, it was just a really neat moment. And then the, the last area is affection and sympathy. And, and that, that can also be mercy and compassion that we have for each other. Paul tells us again as Christians that we're given life, eternal life, that we don't deserve because we rebel. We rebel against God and we want our own ways, but Christ still loves us. And he wants to take our troubles away from us. He wants to comfort us. And we, we see this in another great uh, example, same language, 1 Corinthians chapter, uh, or 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3. It says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort. See, if you've ever known any of these benefits, if you've known any of these benefits or Christ's love, Jesus is saying, you've tasted who he is. You've tasted his love for you, that this should influence you to action because you've sensed him in your life. And this takes us to our, our second question, which is, what are we supposed to do with Christ's love? And, and, and the answer is clearly seen in, in verse two, we're supposed to love one another and be united. We see uh, the very beginning of verse two, that we should love one another. It says, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love. And that phrase, same mind, that means to have like the, the same attitude or the same view of things. And, that, and the same love, that word for love there is agape. It's the sacrificial love. It's, it's not the brotherly love or the physical kind of love. So what, what Paul's saying is, look, if you've ever tasted encouragement, comfort, affection, fellowship from Christ, that we should love one another. We ought to love one another. God created us to love himself and one another. Because of the three persons of the Holy Trinity, God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, God has always known love. There's never been a day that he was dissatisfied in love. He defines what love is. And yet he has extended his love to us to bring us joy, to bring us grace to help us love others. You know, in this verse, Paul is saying that it, would, it should bring us really great joy. It brings him great joy when he sees these, these gifts of, of Christ's love displayed in the church. And I'll tell you, it does that here too. The staff, the elders, the deacons, leadership get so excited when we see a member of the church loving one another. I can remember when COVID first started and we were, we were going into isolation and we were having to shut down. And I remember the youth started writing some letters to those who were shut, shut in. And that was such an amazing thing. So encouraging. I'll tell you, kids, your parents, they find so much joy when you put the best interest of others in front of yourselves. When you give encouragement or comfort or sympathy to a friend or a family member, that is exactly what Paul is talking about right here. This is what we're supposed to do with Christ's love. 
So there's a second part of this answer of, of what do we do with Christ's love, and we're to love one another, but we also should be united. And we see that also in verse 2. The second half of verse 2 says, being in full accord and of one mind. So what does that mean? What does it mean to be in full accord and one mind? And what that really means is to be in harmony with one another. We'll see this in a couple of weeks when we hit Philippians chapter 4, verse 2, that Paul uses the same language in this, in uh, verse 2 in chapter 4. He's, he's, he's talking to two people in the Philippian church that are not getting along. And he's asking them to be in harmony. We see the same word in, in uh, Romans 12, 15, and 16. Romans 12, 15, 16 says, Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. See, I, I love that passage. There's so much to that passage. But how many times nowadays do you get to use the word haughty? You don't. It's a great passage. You know, we have a problem, though, today. We don't live in harmony. We're not united. Jesus was perfectly united with God the Father. We see that in John chapter 17, but, but we're often not in harmony. You know, as, as I mentioned earlier, when we rally around this common cause, or this common enemy, we tend to be drawn together. We find times that, that, uh, that we struggle, though. We struggle. We struggle to unite to advance God's kingdom versus our own kingdom, to really advance his kingdom through the entire world. You know, in our work, we're often not united. We worry about what everybody else is doing or versus what I'm doing or how much am I paid versus what other people's are paid. I, I remember times that were just such fantastic times working on projects where we were all of the same cause. We were united and we were getting the objectives done. That was fun. I, I was one time on a, a really large SAP project that, that was, uh, was a big software system that runs the, the whole company. It was about a billion dollar company and they'd taken a dozen or two of us out to work on this project. And about midway through, they said, you know what? We're behind. We need you to work six days a week, 12 hours a day. And everybody was like, great. It was a fantastic experience. Now, I'm not sure we were all motivated by the right reasons. I think what's important today is that we're motivated by Jesus' love for us, that he would impact the core of who we are and make us consider everything from that. You know, it, it would help us because we still struggle with being united at work or being united in our political views or being united in how we deal with COVID. I think sometimes we'd rather make a point. We'd rather make a point or protect our rights or, or, or validate our theological position than we would to make a difference in somebody's life. And I can tell you this breaks my heart. This breaks my heart more than about anything else that's going on right now because I can see the damage it's doing to relationships over and over again. I really believe that above anybody else on the planet, we as Christians ought to be able to live in harmony with one another. But there's a solution. There is a solution for this problem. What do y'all think the solution is? Anybody, somebody's got to speak up. Jesus. Yeah, it's Jesus. If anybody asks you a question like that, just say Jesus. <laughs> It's Jesus. It's Jesus' love that has the power to put us in full accord and be like-minded with one another. It's, it's his love that helps us answer the question properly that Pastor Tim gave us last week. What are we living for? 
It's his love that helps us to rally and focus on this common cause of advancing his kingdom. When we recognize we're on the same team, Jesus helps us to know how to be united even when we're not in 100% agreement. You know, scripture doesn't say that we have to be in 100% agreement. I know this is probably a shocker, but sometimes pastors, particularly, you know, Tim and I, we're different. We think differently. We might not be in 100% of agreement, but we come together. We come together and find a common ground because we love the church. We want to advance God's kingdom over ours. And when we don't come together, we ask for forgiveness. Or at least Tim does. <laughs> so we, uh, we know what Christ's love is. And his love ought to motivate us to love one another. It ought to motivate us to unite. So how, how are we to demonstrate this love to others? We can see this in, in our last three verses, verses 3 through five. It says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interest of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Jesus. And these verses, they, they kind of lead us to three things that we ought to consider here. If we want to love others, we want to demonstrate Christ's love to others. The first one is we really need to repent. We need to repent. We need to admit that we really don't care for others the way that we should. We see this in verse three, that we often choose what we want to do over what's good for others. You know, we're really busy. We're busy kind of chasing our, our ambitions, our dreams, our desires. That a lot of times we don't look up to see what's going on in other people's lives. We don't see their needs, their hurts. We don't celebrate their successes. And a great example of this is kids. It's, our, it's how we so desperately want to advance the kids in our lives. We care for them so much, but it kind of is inconvenient to do the same for a neighbor. In the book, Mere Christianity, C.S. Lewis, he's uh, got a great little quote. He's the author of the Narnia books. Um, if anyone would like to acquire humility, I can, I think, tell him the first step. The first step is to realize that one is proud. And he says later on, that's kind of a hard step. That's a big step. But you can't really do anything else until you accept that step. You know, doing what verse 3 says, it's hard to do. It's hard not to let our ambition and pride get in the way. It's hard to consider other people more valuable than ourselves, which is really what humility is. It's tough to be harder on yourself than others. It's hard to really own our own problems, our own personality flaws versus pointing out the flaws of others. We see this. We see this in our social media accounts, right? We, we post the best of our life. Or we say things we might not would say if somebody was right in front of us. You know, when Rhonda and I were dating, first married, we, uh, we weren't believers. And uh, we fought. We fought a lot. And when we fought, we escalated. We wanted to win. Um, we really weren't that interested in putting the best interest of others in front of our, our own. And we, we did this out of our ambition, our, our conceit. It was really a basis of our, our sin that we had. But, but thank God he saved us. God saved us and started to change us, right? And we don't fight nearly as much. It's still a battle in our lives to be married, to put somebody else's interest in front of our own. That's tough. But when we realize we're 100% dependent upon Jesus, 
He started to change our perspective of life and what's really important. That's made a, a huge difference in our marriage. So that to help us answer and demonstrate Christ's love to others, Garrison Young, he, he reminded me of what's in 1 John chapter 5, 16. It's a great little verse. Um, and, he, and he gave me a quote from Dr. Martin Lloyd Jones. And uh, Dr. Jones is a, a famous British pastor. And so that verse says, if you'll go to that, um, it's 1 John 5, 16. And it says, if you see any brother or sister commit a sin that does not lead to death, you should pray and God will give them life. It's a big deal. This quote from Dr. Lloyd-Jones surrounding that, as, as we are naturally interested in one another and love one another and are concerned about one another's welfare, so it should be with members of the Christian church. It should be a matter of great concern to all of us if any of us are falling into sin, not only because it brings Christ's gospel into disrepute, because of our very love for that brother should make us concerned about him. We should be sorry. We should be grieved that he's missing so much and is bringing unhappiness to himself. So what I think Dr. Jones is really saying, if we put it in our context, is if we see somebody here in our church that's not flourishing in God's grace, that ought to bother us. We ought to want to get involved in their life to help them, to support them, to care for them, to give them these gifts of love that, that verse one is talking about. You know, we all have the same problem. We're all going to die one day. But if we loved each other, putting the best interest of others first, I think we'd worry more about each other's eternal fate. We'd worry more about the souls of our friends and coworkers and family more than their political views or other life views. You know, the Bible tells us that, that it's sin that separates us from God. And because of sin, he can't be with us. I know I've said this before in the past, but it makes no sense to me that a, a, a perfect, loving, and just God would want to hang out with me for eternity if I have zero desire to submit to him or his leadership. That doesn't make any sense. We need Jesus. We need Jesus. This brings us to our, our second point on how do we demonstrate Christ's love and, and, and we just let Jesus' love humble us. You know, we, we tend to want glory in our lives. We're the opposite of Christ when it comes to humility. Um, a lot of times we want glory, but we don't deserve glory. But Christ, he deserves glory. But he didn't, he didn't ask for glory. You know, he humbled himself by giving up his rights, leaving heaven and its glory. And he became human and died on the cross for us. His, his actions were the opposite of, of prideful and ambitious when he took our sin and he took our punishment for us. He gave us his right standing with God. It's an amazing gift. He deserves the glory, not us. We see a, a great verse in Matthew 11, verse 29. It says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I'm gentle and lowly in heart. You will find rest for your souls. So here's the good news. You know, Christians, as, as, as we're a part of Christ's family, he wants us to have these things. He wants us to be encouraged. He wants us to, to find comfort, to, to have fellowship, to, to have affection. 
He wants us to be able to be humble, to be able to put the best interest of others before ourselves. He readily is offering that to us. We just got to abide in him. You know, it's God who humbles us to be gentle and lowly in heart. It's, it's God who allows us to rest. And one of the ways that, that we can rest, we can find a little rest, is when we stop comparing ourselves to each other. You know, comparing ourselves to each other doesn't help us. It's, uh, it's actually called coveting. And it happens to make one of the top 10 lists, the top 10 list of don'ts. It's number 10 on the Ten Commandments. It's still our moral law. Coveting doesn't help us rest, nor does it help us give love to one another. And additionally, as, as we accept what Jesus wants for us to be humble, I think you'll find that we don't complain as much. You know, when we complain, what we're really saying right away is my needs aren't being met versus trying to meet the needs of others. So the third and the final step of this is determining how do we demonstrate Christ's love is that we need to be like-minded with Jesus. And we start thinking about what does that mean? Well, if we look at verse five, having the mind among, this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, he gives this to us. It's from him. It's not something we can just go make happen. We're 100% dependent upon him. We, to have the same mind and attitude of Christ, we, we spend time with him. We pray to him. We read God's word. We start to understand his mindset, his attitude, his, his views on life as we want to bear his image and be his ambassador. We come to him and we ask him, what would you have us do? These are beautiful gifts that, that, that we learn from him. But we have to realize it's his work alone. We're 100% dependent upon him, even when he longs for us to present his problems to us. He longs to care for us. He'll help us in any situation if we'll come to him and say, we're not united, we're not humble, we're not loving each other. You know, we, we have confidence in Christ when we trust him that he will provide encouragement, comfort, fellowship, and affection that we need. So let's, let's pursue being like-minded in Christ so that we can love others and be united. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. We trust you, Lord, even though it's sometimes hard to know what to do. We know you're for us, not against us, Lord. And we just beg you to do a work in our, in our life right now, Lord, to change our heart, to, to help us see what we're chasing that's not good for us. Lord, to help us move towards freedom, knowing who you are, Lord, to humble us, to care for others more than ourselves. Lord, help us to just rest in you, knowing that it's you that, that changes us. Our efforts are not going to get this done, but we have freedom in you, knowing that we're totally dependent upon you, that you love us that much that you'll change us. So Father, as we come together to take this meal, together as a family, we just ask you to do a work right now to refresh us. It's in your wonderful son's name we pray. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us for this podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at thevinecc.com, download our mobile app, or visit us on Facebook or Instagram 
at The Vine CC. Have a great week.